Chapter 10 of the Queen of Appalachia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Palada. The Queen of Appalachia by Joe H. Borders. Why Miss Arnold came to Princeton. On her way to the post office, Miss Arnold was overtaken by one of her gentlemen admirers who accompanied her downtown. Both were blithe and gay and the young man's heart was overflowing. She had carefully avoided the exclusive society of the young men, always making some excuse when invited for a drive or a walk. But this morning, well, she was going to meet Paul Thornton. Thornton was seated in the rear office, busily engaged with his father on some business matters. When the couple entered, Miss Arnold dropped her letter in the box, managing to look through the delivery window as she did so, but no one was in sight. She turned towards the showcase, as if to make a purchase, when her escort discovered young Thornton. "'Hello, Paul. When did you get back?' he cried, excusing himself a moment and advancing to the other end of the room. Miss Arnold looked up quickly and glanced towards the private office, her face burning with blushes. "'How are you?' answered Paul, leaving the office and meeting his friendly neighbor. "'Why, I came in last night. Yes, we had a delightful trip. No, the boys will not be in for a few days yet. The new sensation? Why, yes, is that... Why, what is the matter, Paul? You are as pale as a corpse. Goodness, man, you are trembling like a leaf, he whispered. It's nothing serious, I assure you, replied Paul, quickly pulling himself together. I am not feeling just right this morning. Miss Arnold allowed me to introduce you to my friend, Mr. Thornton. Mr. Thornton? Miss Arnold. Delighted to meet you, Miss Arnold. Lifting his hat. Thank you, was the soft, feminine reply, nearly inaudible. Mr. Thornton has just returned from the mountains, said her escort, trying to help her out of her evident embarrassment. Yes, I hardly look upon you as a stranger, began Paul. You appear so well and favorably known to all my friends. Why, Miss Arnold, I have heard so much of you in the past ten hours that I caught myself trying to invent an excuse to call on you today. And if I believe in flattery... Oh, please don't, Mr. Thornton, I beg of you, she cried, crushing the attempt at flattery. I am blushing already. Brushes speak louder than words, Miss Arnold suggested her escort. But words are often meaningless, said Thornton, and that is why I detest flattery. Miss Arnold tried her best to appear natural, but the effort was a signal failure, and she realized it. In trying to cover her blushes and nervousness, she made matters worse, and her escort marveled at the change in her as they returned uptown. Mrs. Overton noticed it too, and did not stop until she knew the truth. 
Fine, you make a mountain out of a molehill. Don't worry, my dear girl, says Mrs. Overton, soothingly. I know Mr. Thornton better than you. Mark my words, he will call on you before the day ends. I hope so, she replied, for I would like to show him that I am not a silly booby. He is not so critical as you imagine. Forget about it, May, and get ready to meet him this evening. Mrs. Overton sent a note to him during the day, requesting an informal call after dinner, which was promptly accepted. And at eight o'clock that evening, his ring at the door was answered by Miss Arnold, with Mrs. Overton in the background. We are delighted to see you, they both cried. He followed them to the drawing room, radiantly illuminated for the special occasion with a dozen or more wax candles in elegant brass candlesticks, beside the brilliant chandelier, which gave the elegantly furnished room a charming appearance, and added to the beauty of the occasion was Miss Arnold, tastefully dressed in a dainty cream-colored silk with slippers to match. A pretty necklace adorned her neck, a small locket-shaped pendant suspended in front, in the center of which sparkled a good-sized diamond, while her wealth of golden hair was held in place by a single brooch of old gold, studded with a row of small diamonds. Her face was as radiant as a June rose, and she was the picture of a seraph, and one that did not fail to attract the young man. He was seated on the divan with the young beauty, and Mrs. Overton occupied a rocker close by. Miss Arnold, tell me what you think of Princeton's and her environment, and how you have managed to pass the time, asked Paul. I think it is perfectly lovely here, Mr. Thornton. And as to the enjoyment, Mrs. Overton will bear me out in saying that no one ever had a happier time. It has been one continual round of pleasure to me ever since I made my debut into your society. You surprise me with your enthusiasm, honestly spoke he. I only regret that I was not here to aid in making your visit among us so pleasant. But I see that nothing was lacking. We all regretted your absence, spoke up Mrs. Overton. We did indeed, added Miss Arnold. But I presume you were enjoying the chase for game. Tell us of your trip. A brief outline of that trip was recited, and Paul painted a glowing picture really flurrying to the scenic grandeur of the country through which he passed. He confessed he lacked words to fittingly describe the beauty of the wooded mountains, but his graphic account was listened to with interest. Perfectly grand, exclaimed Miss Arnold. Some day, she added, I am going to see that country with my own eyes. Little thinking that in a few weeks, her prophetic remarks would become a reality. All right, May, said Mrs. Overton. I will go along. Possibly we can induce Mr. Thornton to be our guide. Nothing would please me better, he replied. In fact, I expect to return there the coming summer. That is just the thing, Mrs. Overton, cried Miss Arnold enthusiastically. Suppose we get up a party and go with Mr. Thornton next summer. 
I will bring some friends along from New Jersey. Are you from New Jersey? asked Paul eagerly. Jersey is my native state, said the blushing girl. I once had an intimate friend in New Jersey, he said. A lady friend, Mr. Thornton, asked the widow, smiling, and Miss Arnold held her breath, awaiting the answer. Oh, certainly, laughing. I have no intimate gentleman friends. Of course, said the widow. But Jersey girls are all wool and a yard wide, aren't they, May? That is a leading question, Missus Overton," suggests Paul. Of course, Miss Arnold has only bouquets for her home girls. I don't know about that," said May. "Girls are pretty much alike the world over." I don't agree with you, Miss Arnold," said he. "My experience with them gives me a very different idea." Oh, I will submit that once in a great while one will find a peculiar collector, but as a rule, taking into consideration rank and station, there is a remarkable similarity. Your sex has a most charming defender, and I am glad to hear you hold up for them. I will frankly admit that my experience has been limited, and I yield the point. At which all three laughed, and the subject drifted into other channels. And soon the visitor took his leave. A most wonderful coincidence, thought Paul on his way home from Mrs. Overton's. She is exact counterpart of my mysterious queen. When I caught sight of her at the store this morning, I was sure it was sweetheart, and I almost fell to the floor. I was so startled. They are as much alike as twin sisters, same height. The same sparkling eyes, the same haunting expressions, and the same type of beauty. Strange that I should meet two such lovely creatures, so very much alike, within a few days. Thus he mused until he reached his room. The picture of the two angelic creatures haunted his dreams, and he awoke the next morning to find his thoughts still concentrated upon them. There is such a marked similarity between them," finally thought Paul as he descended to the dining hall. The sudden idea that they might be related struck him very forcibly. "They are sisters," was the mental conclusion. "Why did I not think of it last night? I must see her today. But how? Curse the luck! Ah, ah! I have it. I will go for a drive. Just the thing, an early morning drive." And twenty minutes later, the Thornton carriage stood in front of the Overton residence, while Paul was quietly waiting in the reception room for the return of Miss Arnold, who seemed greatly pleased at the mention of a drive, and hurried away to don a driving costume. So kind of you, Mister Thornton, to give me such pleasure. A morning drive is delicious in this climate, and this is a perfect day. Don't mention it, Miss Arnold. You forget that the enjoyment is not confined to yourself alone. I seldom drive, but I must confess I was not aware that such an outing would prove so refreshing. This is a lovely morning. Lovely, it is heavenly," she replied, intoxicated with the pleasure of the occasion. They endeavored to make themselves agreeable to each other. 
and the drive of several miles was greatly relished. They chatted gaily, and more than once the merry laugh of his happy companion reverberated in the valley through which they drove. Pong found that it was no easy matter to introduce the subject that was uppermost in his thoughts. He realized that he must be cautious, and during their drive of five miles, he was no nearer the solution of the problem than when he awoke in the early morning. Reaching one of the natural parks so numerous in that country, he suggested a halt. The proposition was willingly agreed to, and she was out of the carriage and scampering after a butterfly before Paul could turn around. She was full of life, and especially merry and gay on this gladsome day. They finally discovered an inviting retreat and threw themselves at full length on the grass. Do you know, began Paul desperately, that you remind me of a young lady I met the other day, so much so, in fact, that I took you for her for a moment when I met you at the store? Indeed. Yes, I never saw two persons so exactly alike. Then I have a double, she suggested. Most assuredly, have you a sister or a relative whom you resemble? No, I don't recall to mind anyone who bears so remarkable a resemblance, she replied in deep thought. I have no sisters, myself, and an only brother, with papa and mamma, is the sum total of our family. I am disappointed, Miss Arnold. I was so in hopes that you were related. You greatly excite my curiosity, said Miss Arnold, rising to a sitting position, quickly followed by Paul. Is she an intimate acquaintance? No and yes, said Paul. I met her on my recent trip for the first time, the conditions of which I am not at liberty to tell you. Suffice it to say, I discover her under the most remarkable circumstances, the mere mention of which no doubt excites your interest, and I would not have referred to it but for the fact of the extraordinary likeness you bear to her. Do you expect to meet a sister of mine up in the mountains? she asked. No, I, I don't know what I thought, Miss Arnold, confused. Let us drop the subject. I hope you will not mention it to anyone. I'll keep your secret, Mr. Thornton, she said rather stiffly, rising to her feet. It is a secret, Miss Arnold, at least for the present, he replied, getting up and following her towards the carriage. The return drive was devoid of interest. The sunshine that so presently lit up her life an hour ago was apparently left in the park. Paul noted a reserve in her manner, but was happily ignorant of the truth. When nearing town, Miss Arnold forced a smile and affected a gaiety natural to her. But a close observer would have readily detected the artificial demeanor of the disappointed girl. Miss Arnold dropped her mask when she entered the house. She was not going to allow Mrs. Overton to know of her troubles. She came to Princeton with a purpose, and to accomplish that undertaking was her sole purpose. I will win, she exclaimed, or die in the attempt. 
sometimes i am tempted to confess and throw myself upon his mercy but i will do that only as a last resort i will first discover whether there is a chance to reach his heart without resorting to desperate means he is mine by right and mine he must he shall be oh that i could recall the past she murmured throwing herself on the bed her eyes filling with tears why was i so foolish oh my god she sobbed give me back the old days he despised me i am completely shut out of his big manly heart one that once throbbed and yearned for me i have no right to murmur for it was all my own fault heavens how blind to purposely avoid him the fact drives me mad to look upon the unhappy girl as she rolled and tossed with dishevelled hair and eyes red and swollen with weeping tears of grief and anguish a heart filled with sadness and a spirit utterly crushed and depressed to look upon this sad and prostrated form one could hardly believe it was the same cheerful happy winsome enchanting beauty that met young thornton in the early morning it was in this heartbroken condition mrs overton found her before the luncheon hour one glance at the disconsolate girl told her that her guest was suffering the pangs of great disappointment i will not disturb her poor thing i wonder what he said to her to cause such grief quickly making her exit i don't understand that girl she continued she was in love with paul before she came here i call to mind how deeply interested she became every time i mentioned his name well she sighed i am sure i don't understand it at all for they had never met that is certain she just made up her mind to fall in love with him and did so but but he does not reciprocate and yet he appeared greatly smitten well i just don't understand it i suppose it will turn out for the best miss arnold recognized the presence of her hostess in her room and congratulated herself that mrs overton left her so suddenly she thinks i am sleeping the good soul i must get up and dress before she returns it must be late she thought making a hasty toilet and skipping down the stairs greeting mrs overton with her usual cheerful manner luncheon is ready my dear so let's go did you enjoy your drive it was splendid mrs overton came the blushing answer i dare say was the reply mr thornton is the capital entertainer i was mistaken she thought yes she replied aloud he can be agreeable but i am told he is greatly changed how when asked miss arnold he went up to new york last summer on a month's business trip yes yes interrupted miss arnold mrs overton looked at her guest in keen surprise but did not give vent to her thoughts well he came home a very different man he reminded me of a discharged inmate of a kiwi institute but he never drank he was sober to a fault and seemed to shun all society and finally went away for several months it was rumoured that he was studying for the ministry 
but upon his return he was more like his old self in fact was as full of fun as ever so the idea of his becoming a minister vanished how do you account for his conduct when he returned from new york i will tell my version of it miss arnold some pretty girl like you crossed his path and won his heart only to break it suggested her guest exactly my dear girl exactly and no doubt left to regret it well if she did i am sorry for her one could almost fancy you have had a little experience along that line yourself may from your words and sighs mrs overton i could a tale unfold you know the rest well i am waiting in breathless suspense may dear i am ready for the enfoldment no no not now i spoke hastily exclaimed her guest subsiding no i am positive said the widow inaudibly and the reader can guess at her meaning end of why miss arnold came to princeton recording by Kualada.